I think I am going to title this episode finale. <laughs> <laughs> Just to throw everybody off. Yeah, man. Although I do get annoyed when other people do shit like that. Howdy, it's Thursday, August 25th, 2022, and this is episode 181 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City Casino Biz Podcast. I'm Kyle Askin, joined, as always, by Craig Stone. What's good, Craig? This. We're back from vacation. We're doing an episode. We didn't go way beyond the standard time. I think that's pretty good. That is good. Until I take, like, a month to post this episode. That sounds right. Yeah. All right. So, in 1881, Lucy the Elephant was built. That's big news. It is huge news, even though we both have never seen it, right? I drove by it. I could see a foot and nothing else because it's covered in a bunch of scaffolding for at least another month or two. We can talk about that. Yeah. So the elephant was constructed in 1881 by a Philadelphia contractor at a reported cost of $25,000, which at the time was a considerable amount of money. I mean, frankly, it's still not that little bit of money. But Lafferty always claimed that before the work was finished, the cost skyrocketed to $38,000. So you say that the inflation calculator only goes back to 1913, and 25k in 1913 is 750k today. So it was pretty expensive, probably at least a million dollars in today's money, right? Yeah. So Lafferty is the guy who like got the patent for these animal buildings and paid some developer contractor to uh, to build this Lucy the elephant. So why was it built? So so it was originally used to bring this guy's real estate clients up into the carriage at the top and show off lots that were for sale in New Jersey. Uh, At the time, that was called South Atlantic City, actually, not Margate. I did learn that. All this information is from lucytheelephant.org. It was also used at different points as a restaurant, a business office, and a tavern. I feel like the just bringing people up into the carriage is the most boring possible use of it, but you got to get into the elephant. You have to go into the insides, I think. You can't just be using it for views it's not even that tall yeah and and unfortunately like you you mentioned the exterior is still undergoing renovation and it should be finished hopefully soon but the interior is going to remain closed for quite a while yeah so they say the exterior is planned to be done this fall and the interior sometime in 2023 the total restoration cost is 2.2 million dollars so probably more than the thing costs to build in the first place, even in today's dollars. Eh, if it was $38,000 in 1881, I bet it's close. You think that money like doubled in value between 1881 and 1913? I guess that's possible. Yeah. It was not quite doubling, but... That's Lucy the Elephant. Someday we'll see it. Now in Margate. Not even in Atlantic City, so I don't know why we're talking about it. That is true. Seriously, it's a big Atlantic City icon, even if it is technically in Margate, I think. I think if you ask someone the top five things they think of of Atlantic City and they aren't super familiar with it, if they can think of anything, I think Lucy's probably going to be pretty high on that list. Yeah, I think especially people from, like, South Jersey. Yeah, the area. Yeah. I mean, there was a big candy Lucy the Elephant in the It's Sugar at the playground for a long time, and I don't know if that's still there. It's sugar is still there. That is true. Still hanging out at the playground. I don't know about the Lucy in the It's Sugar, but... Any other Lucy thoughts before we get to 1981? No more Lucy thoughts other than we have to see it when it's finally open. We have no excuse. 
We do. Apparently, you can go tour it still now, even though you can't see the outside. But I don't really know why you'd go tour it if you can't no. see the outside. They're doing a donation drive for, to fund this $2.2 million if you want to go, you know, chuck them 50 bucks. If you give them $1,000, I think they'll put a uh, plaque on it with your name on it. I don't think I need that. <laughs> no? We could do it and, and write it off on our business expenses. You can buy a t-shirt that says, I love Lucy with Lucy the Elephant on it. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> Sounds good. Because, you know, because there's a show called I, I Love it. Lucy. I mean, at least it's an Atlantic City tradition now that, you know, for people to just steal other people's copyrights and t-shirts. <laughs> we started that. Yeah. Uh, no, apparently that that was a shirt that they had in the 70s that you could buy, and now they've brought it back. Hmm. So, 1981. Yeah, what, ha- what happened? Three more casinos opened. We talked about three in 1980, three more in 1981. The Playboy Hotel and Casino opened on April 14th, right next to Boardwalk Hall. It was built on a lot that was so narrow, the casino was split into three floors. The hotel was 22 stories, but only had 500 rooms, so not a lot of rooms per floor. It later became the Atlantis, the Trump Regency, and the Trump World's Fair. Never did particularly well, and was eventually demolished in 1999. And I will link to an article written by Michael Traeger for Travels Work in 2017. Yeah. So then on July 20th, Del Webb's Claridge opened. It was London themed. At the time, Del Webb owned the Mint in downtown Las Vegas. And this was the last casino that the state allowed as a passion paint job. Yeah. So do you know when the Claridge closed? Because I feel like it may have still been open as a casino when I started going, but I have no memories of ever being in there when it was a casino. So I may have missed it. Well, it was still the, it was part of Bally's. Well, certainly it was part of Bally's, but they didn't have a casino. I think the Ridge Casino floor was still open, but I never set foot in it. Uh, yeah, I don't I, I don't have any memory of, of going in it. But. Yeah, I think that they had it, and then I mm. think it closed fairly shortly after I started going to Atlantic City in 2010. Mm. So that is my assumption. That sounds right, because I, I do think it was open as a casino, but I'm not sure I remember ever stepping foot in it. 2012, I believe, ended its gambling operations, according to Wikipedia. So that's pretty decent into the into the time. Yeah. I wish I had seen it. I wish I at least I know. I'm I'm disappointed in myself, especially because there's really no reason for me not to have gone there, other than the fact it was the Claridge, I guess. Yeah. But I wonder how big could the casino floor have really been? I think it was very small. Yeah. And then the third casino, Tropicana, our f- absolute favorite, opened on November twenty sixth, which is another like Thanksgiving time. Last yeah. last episode we talked about a Thanksgiving casino opening. This time, Harris, for those of you who don't remember. This time, another, I guess, probably Thanksgiving weekend, I, I would assume. It was owned by Ramada at the time. They also owned the Tropicana in Las Vegas. They originally planned to call the one in Atlantic City the Phoenix. And I guess because of brand synergy or like the awareness of the Tropicana name in gambling, they called it the Tropicana. Those two properties are no longer related, they're owned by totally separate things. We said the Claridge was the last patch and paint job, meaning just taking an old building and putting a casino in it and doing some refurb. Ramada really wanted to just use the old Ambassador Hotel, and they fought with the governor and the state about this, basically saying, look, you've let resorts and all these other casinos, Caesars, Claridge, open this way, let us do this. And they said no. So the way they came to a compromise was they ripped it completely down to the steel framework and built on top of it. And so that is the North Tower at the Tropicana now, which I think also had only a little over 500 rooms at the time of opening. Mm. So I guess every casino after that, new construction, 
like we've talked about it before, but like Trump Plaza hasn't opened yet, and that involves the Holiday Inn, right? Oh yeah, so that must so. have also been a similar sort of like stripping it down to the studs. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah. Speaking of getting places, <laughs> I, I see in the notes that there's some disturbing news. So let let me hear it. Yeah. So I was fairly confident that we were going to Atlantic City. Me, we being my wife and I in September, like September 23rd to the 25th. Mm -hmm. Go drop off the kids with the in-laws, get in two nights. They had mostly said okay to this, except that we didn't realize that the gap between camp and school starting for the kids, my wife already has to be back to work for some of that. So now they're taking the kids for three nights, which is longer than they've ever taken them, late next week into the weekend. And so I'm very nervous about this. I don't know if they're even going to consider it because it's like only four weeks later. But I need the kids to be extremely, extremely good. <laughs> I don't know if they have it in them. Because yeah. I know my kids. The question is, what are you doing Labor Day weekend then? Labor Day weekend? Isn't that when your kids are being taken? Oh, no. Well, we're, we got to pick them up Saturday morning. <sighs> we're only getting the utility of you can go to work and don't have to stay home with the kids. It's not worth it, man. It's not a great use, but it's like a busy time for both of us. Like... My wife just can't miss work, and it's the busiest time of my year at work, so <laughs> kind of has to happen, unfortunately. I do have a room booked at Tropicana. I booked it, like, 20 minutes ago, because the rates have been fluctuating a lot. Like, we said a couple episodes that we didn't think there was any way the rates would go up, and they were kind of mm -hmm. high. And they did go up, and then they dropped back down, and they went up. And then today I went on, and I have Harrah's and Tropicana comped on Friday, and... Harris is like 150 bucks on Saturday, and Tropicana is like 276 bucks on Saturday. But I still booked Tropicana. I feel like Harris would be a harder sell than Tropicana. You said your wife really likes the boardwalk, right? She does. Yeah. Mm. Right now, I have Trop booked. Prices are going to keep going down. Yeah, there's almost no way. I really just wanted to get the Comp Friday settled, yep. and I figure there's no risk in having Saturday. So, nope. and, and if you have not done this, I know I've said it a bunch of times. Caesars is extremely good. Cet as a whole is extremely good about if the price goes down on Saturday, even if my Friday goes uncomped, they will lower the Saturday price and keep my comp for Friday. They don't just like change the cost entirely. So I'm optimistic about that. I don't think there's any way that I'm paying this amount. I may not even be staying at Tropicana. I don't know. I mean, the goal is Centurion Tower if that becomes available. But Hard Rock also came down, but it's still like 270 bucks a night. Yeah, it's expensive. One option if we did go to Harris, though, which is like half the price. Coastal Craft celebration dinner, just like we did last year. I can't believe you would ruin the memory that we had of Coastal Craft by taking <laughs> your wife there. Cheating on you. Yes. <laughs> by going to Coastal Craft. I mean, actually, we would probably go Think to of all of the extremely fried food that yeah. we ate together and probably felt bad afterwards. You know where I would kind of like to go that's in Harris and take celebration dinner is Martirano's. And my wife does like Italian, but like she, I've heard yeah. very mixed things about it. More about like atmosphere and service than about the food. I've heard the food's very good. I've heard it's kind of like a club in there, right? Is that the complaint? At yeah, late at night. I think they have a DJ, you know, late at night for like dinner. So it's probably like nine. <laughs> right. But also Gordon Ramsay steak is, is at Harris. And so you could use the celebration dinner for like one third of your meal at Gordon Ramsay steak probably. Yeah. Like I know I mentioned last year, we used two celebration dinners and one meal. Uh, last winter at, at the Gordon Ramsay Steakhouse in Baltimore, and it was $200 without drinking for us. So Yeah, and there would definitely be either cocktails or a bottle of wine involved. So Right. Hopefully next episode, I will have some clarity. And I mean, for all I know, the next episode would be the last episode before that trip. It shouldn't be. Well, it is. I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All the other news is very random stuff. I guess the question, since you're obviously not going in September now, we need to go in September. That's a good point. Yeah, you and I could just go. I have this room booked. Oh, <laughs> I didn't even consider that. I was going to say we could go for a weeknight, but you have the room booked. You already have romantic plans for the weekend. Yeah. So, you know what we could do? Go to Coastal Crafting at <laughs> Diamond Celebration. I don't really want to do that again. I have to be honest. AC Burger Company takes it. <laughs> it's a lot of burgers. We we have to go to Harris and try every place at the former buffet. Chicken mm, Guy, Daiquiri Place, Asian Food Place. Now I can't remember what the other place was. All right, we'll oh, talk about yeah, it off air when, when we're going. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. I'm not terribly optimistic. I give myself... My, <laughs> I think it's 50-50, pretty much. My August was, was pretty busy, but September is opening up for me, so... No reason for us not to go to AC. I'll be down there, and you're apparently too busy to go to an Orioles game, or you just don't want to see the Orioles because you yeah, don't like I mean, baseball that much. Uh, that's that's more likely it. If you guys hang out afterwards or whatever, I'll, I'll happily do that. But. It is a 5 o'clock game. We could go to Maryland Live afterwards. Ooh, Maryland Live. Wasn't expecting that, but yeah. I would say sure. Horseshoe, but everything I've heard about Horseshoe lately is that it's, it sucks. It's been bad. It's been bad. And I think, at the very least, Paul and I will be going right back by Maryland Live. You know, if the game ends at 8, it's an option. I won't have yeah. kids or anything. I do have to wake up and get on a train. Maryland Live? It's the plan. I don't know if that's actually the plan. What is that? The 10th? Yeah. All right. Done. So the big news today that I think absolutely deserves to be talked about on the podcast is that the water temperature in the ocean off of Atlantic City hit 84.2 degrees, which sounds unbelievably warm to me. That sounds ridiculously hot. It is unbelievably warm because it's the highest water temperature ever recorded in Atlantic City. I feel like that's interesting. It probably felt really nice, but it's also probably not a great thing. (laughs) No, I don't think it would feel nice at all. Too hot? Too hot. I was up in Cape Cod and that was cold. Mm -hmm. Have you ever been to the Pacific Ocean? I have. It's cold. All the time. I don't really like the the Pacific Ocean in general. Mm If beef with the whole West Coast, really. (laughs) The entire Pacific Ocean. I don't, well, I mean, everywhere that I've been that's near the Pacific Ocean, it's just like drops off a cliff and then there's like six inches of beach and then there's the ocean. Yeah. No, I like Atlantic City style, Jersey Shore, like you got to walk a mile from hot, hot sand to... <laughs> to from the sands to get in some, you know, still not that warm water. Mm. And then you can trudge over to the boardwalk and get your funnel cake. RC Cola. Slice of pizza and your RC Cola. Yeah, that's what I want. All right. So it sounds like Borgata has in their new contract with Local 54 that all orders at restaurants will get an 18% gratuity automatically added, including takeout. So you say this is from the Everything AC Casinos Facebook group and we did it up at Travels Work. There's not a whole lot of details beyond that, right? Like we don't know if this is actually like all of the restaurants there or like does it include the marketplace? Do we know? <laughs> no. I, well, it's so it seems like it's see, it should be sit-down restaurants staffed by local 54. So I don't know what restaurants that includes. We also don't know if this is just at Borgata written into Borgata's contract. There are some reports that Hard Rock does not have this written into their contract, but it's so recent that there's just not a lot of data out there about it yet. I, and I think we'll get a lot more trickling in. I'm assuming if it's at one restaurant at a property, it's going to be at all the restaurants at a property. I would certainly hope it's not at like marketplace and stuff because that's there's not any wait service there. 
But yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll come back next episode and this will be totally debunked. But the person who posted this on the Everything AC Casinos group had a reply from a Borgata person saying like, yeah, this is the deal. It's in the union contract now that this has to be built in. So that's part of how they're giving a pay raise to their local 54 workers. So uh, the original post is about the noodles of the world, N-O-W, at Borg. It's kind of crazy. So one thing, the biggest advice is if you go out to eat, Make sure you take a look at the check and don't tip 20% on top of the 18% you've already tipped. I mean, you should do that anyway. It is becoming more common at restaurants. I mean, I went out to a restaurant like a month ago and they it was just two of us and they put gratuity on the check. Yeah. What do you think about 18% tip for takeout mandated, automatically added? I think it's awful. Um, <laughs> I understand who it's good for, I guess, but it doesn't seem good for the restaurants itself. I think I'm a generous tipper in that I will always tip 10% normally at takeout. Yeah. And I will almost, I mean, I can't tell you the last time I tipped 18% only at a sit down. Or Usually it's like 20-ish or a little bit more. I don't think this is good. I mean, I guess it is good for the employees, as sad as that sounds to me, because I'm sure the average person does tip less than this. But 18% for takeout sounds just awful for the customer. And like, I would avoid getting takeout at a restaurant that charged me an automatic 18%. And, you know, when I go to a sit down, if it has 18% tip on the bill already, like I will not tip over that. No pretty much no matter what just like from a matter of principle and it makes me feel bad if like my my waiter or waitress was actually good but yeah i will not tip more than the gratuity that's taken out on my bill already <laughs> yeah i think for sit down it certainly will work out i mean obviously for takeout it works out in the favor of the wait staff <laughs> but for sit down say i tip 25 percent, it would take however many people four people three people tipping can't do math Less than that. <laughs> Two and a half people tipping 25% to make up for one person tipping zero, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that wait staff gets stiffed a lot. Is that true? I mean, I've, I've never been a waiter. So, I mean, I've worked at a restaurant, but it was not a waiter or whatever. I worked in the kitchen, so. Yeah, I don't know if they get completely stiffed a lot or if they get, like, tiny tips a lot. Like 10%. Like, yeah, 10% yeah. or less or just, you know, something where it's just rounded up to the next even number where they're getting, you know, it's like a $65 tip or $65 bill and they're getting 70 bucks or something like that. I bet that stuff happens a lot. Yeah, I think they're they're making out in this, even though, like you said, you know, I'm probably tipping, I guess my average tip is like 22% or something, just because I yeah. sort of go to 20 and then round up to the next whole number. And that's usually what I do. It doesn't take many people tipping way less than that to make up for that. Yeah. They're, pro they're probably doing fine. I don't really, I don't have a problem with 18% in... Sit, sit down like that's totally fine to me the takeout thing yeah is really not great uh, I, I sort of wanted to be contrarian and say well you're at a casino you're just blowing money like what does it really matter to you if you're spending 12 dollars in tip on your <laughs> takeout order or you know 18 dollars in tip on your 100 dollars takeout order like does that really mean anything when you're then going to go play 25 dollars hand blackjack later but yeah part of it that i feel like is also gross is that it's a way to just pass on the union contract to everyone else like you know this it works out great for the workers it works out great for the casino and it just sucks for the customer i don't even think that's true though like i don't think it's a great way to do it i think people are just gonna be pissed off at the casino <laughs> yeah oh yeah i mean people are definitely gonna be annoyed i i mean i wonder how many people just don't even look at the check <laughs> i mean uh, probably a fair number i mean there's certainly been crazy fees on stuff in vegas that 
people get annoyed about and then it just does like stops getting talked about like these i forget what they're called restaurants and bars that charge these like hospitality fees just for nothing they're just like eh, well everything's you know 10 percent more expensive now because we're charging this fee <laughs> yeah and and it seems like people just sort of deal with it and so i i think that that's probably where this is going although 18 is significant that's a lot that would make the bill higher than you expect i would think but i think a lot yeah. of people probably don't look at it yeah. Well, I don't know. I think it's it's bad. We'll see. We'll see if it makes its way to other casinos. I mean, I guess you said there is confirmation that it has happened, right? So this is for sure. Right. And and if it's really in the contract. I mean, aren't there most favored nation? It's not called that in <laughs> union stuff, but, you know, something like that clauses. In well, I don't know how granular it gets, though. I don't know if it gets down to like the line. It might by just line. be in terms of what the rate is. Yeah. Hmm. But if it really is in the contract, and I was about to say that take something that some casino email reply dude says with a grain of salt, like he may be sort of saying that to shut you up, it's, it wouldn't be able to be changed, right? It's not like they can say, oh, this is really biting us in the ass. Let's, let's backtrack on this because it would be in the contract. So I, don't, so I don't know how they would deal with that. It seems weird from that perspective, but I'm sure a lot of people are very mad about it. And if they're not, they should be. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty upset about it, so... Uh, we'll have to report back. I mean, if anybody is seeing this, report back. If yeah, you're going, check your bills because I want to know. Uh, and then certainly if I make it in September or, you know, if you and I make it in September, we'll have to be looking at all those bills. We'll just mm. What we're going to do is just go to every single casino every, restaurant. Every restaurant in Atlantic City. In Atlantic City. Actually, yeah, also not in the casinos just to see if they're yeah. taking the opportunity to also add the 18% gratuity. Yeah, I mean – we have to. What one person does it, everyone's got to do it. We've got to do it in the first afternoon, too, because that's typically when we have something that we want to do. You just have to get there <laughs> Go to and every restaurant. knock it all out. Yeah, so. Yeah. That's the plan. Good. So July data. Came out. We it's had out. It. it was a five-weekend month, full five weekends. But July of 2021 had five Saturdays. So it's not totally off. You know, it's an extra Sunday. Mm -hmm. It's up 30% year over year. So that seems pretty good. I know we had said June it's, was like a little disappointing. It's it's not. It's up eight eight percent year over year. It's up oh, thirty percent month, 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 month. month. You're right. Yes, this is the second data thing in a row where I just can't read the spreadsheet right. I mean, thirty percent month over month is still good, but we it's talked about good. how like June was like an abnormally just awful month for Atlantic City. So it was not great in June, but eight, so eight percent year over year. Let's yeah. go with that. Uh, $298.99 million total revenue. Couldn't quite get to 300. Couldn't do it. The last time we hit 300 was August 2012. So 313 million in August 2012. And again, so close to a full decade, but it's a full decade minus one month. We'll see what happens the next month. That's true. Do you think we'll beat 313? I don't think we'll beat 313. No, I don't think so either. How many weekends are in this month? Four. In four. August? Yeah, four. Yeah. That's not happening. Plain old four months. We're not beating yeah. 300. No, I don't think so. Yeah. We'll see. It only takes a couple whales going and just doing terrible or whatever. You never know. Yeah. August is usually... Softer than July. Uh, I mean, it wasn't in COVID year. Well, that, that was abnormal because the July is when casinos opened. <laughs> yeah. It's usually softer than July. So, yeah, I, we're not cracking 300 million in, in August. That would be incredible. Ooh. In 2014, August was $30 million, more than $30 million oh. stronger than July. Yeah. So, I mean, we have Actually, a chance. It's like 2012, 2013, 2014, and 2015. No, 2015. Yeah, August was stronger than July. And 2019. Interesting. So, we'll see. We'll see. 
I don't think so, because like you said, yeah, five weekend month for July this year, four weekend in, in August. I don't think it'll happen. Uh, so you'd said Borgata was disappointing in June. Yep. It was $54.25 million in June, which is not great for them in a summer month. It was down 4% year over year. And then July, $76.7 million, up 41% month over month and 20% year over year. So pretty good. A nice little bounce back for Borgata. And also the single highest earning month, if you include sports and online, that any New Jersey casino has ever posted. Yeah. Not their highest brick and mortar month ever. They cracked $80 million. As recently as 2019. As July 19. Yeah. They've done it a few other times since we've been keeping track, but... Hard Rock had their best ever brick and mortar month with $52.9 million. Good look for them. I mean, obviously we've complained about some of the things they've done, but I don't know. They just rake it in. What do you think about this? Is this a nice bounce back from June or is it just back to more of the same from previous and June was bad? Uh, June was just abnormally bad. I mean, it's back to normal. I mean, I think especially the thing is, is that it was up 8% year over year but there were only four casinos up year over year it's just that the ones that were up were up huge i mean particularly borgata hard rock and ocean who have been just slain all year and they're just continuing it ocean by the way up 33 percent year over year (laughs) basically from 30 million to 40 million and then bally's was up a couple percents three and a half percent so the other casinos are continuing not really to look all that great or healthy particularly i guess the cet properties yeah, and then Resorts and Golden Nugget, which, you know, Resorts and Golden Nugget have been kind of lagging. Yep. Along with Bally's, other Bally's, you know, a little gain, not not anything to write home about. But do you think it's concerning that five out of the nine properties are down year over year? It would be better if they weren't. But is it concerning? Like, the way things are right now, especially with, like, the online and the sports betting, uh, I'm not super concerned. If we were in a world where brick and mortar is the only thing that mattered, I think it would be more concerning. Maybe this is being overly optimistic about Atlantic City as a whole, but it part of this very, feels very much like a El Dorado Caesars story to me. <laughs> it, it is a hundred percent. I mean, like Golden Nugget and Resorts are not doing great, yeah, for sure. But they're doing better, I think, by and large, than Caesars. Yeah, and so that that's really not great. I mean, I know I've also said that I would rather have new casinos coming in and doing well, even mm-hmm. if it means that they're replacing the worst casinos. So like having Hard Rock and Ocean doing really well, I think is more important than seeing the gains, but you don't really like to see the losses. I mean, not losses, but the declines. But we've seen this story for a lot of the year of these, the CET properties lagging, Golden Nugget not doing great. You know, we've had other months where it's, you know, four properties are down year over year, five properties are down year over year. It was the same thing in June, five properties down year over year. So yeah, I don't know. It doesn't seem that out of place. Borgata was one of the ones down year over year in in June. So it was just they had an absolutely horrific month in yeah. June. So it's probably not the best thing in the world, but I am not too worried about it. No, I'm not either. Any other thoughts on the data? No, I think we say this every month, but it's continuing the trends that we've been seeing. So I don't have any other thoughts. Yeah, I mean we have the Q2 profit data, but I think save that for next episode, and that yeah. really gets into some more stuff that gives you an indication i mean i think we've always said sort of like revenue is more important than profit but i do think stuff like the occupancy rate the price of each occupied room night is is interesting because i think it'll give you a good comparison for like how bustling atlantic city is uh and we can talk about that next episode 
All right. So if you want to reach out to us or any of our other listeners, you can do sort of Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash do for a win. Find all of our great content and buy a shirt, especially if you're a 4X or (laughs) large and XL are the only two other sizes available. Do for a win.com. Send Craig questions on Twitter to at do for a win or me at Kyle Askin. And then you can also email Craig some questions to our email address, do for a win at gmail.com. How's our inbox? Nothing. Nothing new in a while. Good. Keeping it clean. Keeping it clean. By having no one send, put stuff in it. That's true. Um, maybe it's just stopped working. Yeah, maybe. So we've gotten through this stuff very quickly for this episode, which yeah, is we're, good. we're done. Because we have a lot to talk about with Boardwalk Empire because it's the last episode and it's we're over. done with it. 56 episodes. We've made it through. It's taken us like two and a half years. Yeah. What happened in the series finale? Why don't, why don't you tell me you've written up such nice, concise notes, so I'll let you do the honors. It took me 56 episodes to finally write a concise recap. So here is what I have. Nucky, with Margaret's help, gets rich with a stock deal. Along with Joe Kennedy, but Yes. <laughs> Gives Eli and Jillian a bunch of money and tells them he will never see them again and not to contact him. Al goes to trial. We know he goes to jail. Lucky, Luciano combines all the crime families. He invited Narcisse. Narcisse did not show, so they go kill him in Harlem. Doyle's employee at the club, who had very little screen time in the entire show, turns out to be Tommy Darmody, and he kills Nucky on the boardwalk. The end. What did you think? I think it was an all right episode. I think it was a pretty good way to to end the show. It kind of wrapped things up fairly nicely, I think. I think it was a bit heavy handed. uh, (laughs) The whole last few episodes of like, (laughs) I I think the idea it, it wants us to have is like, Nucky's a terrible person, like, he really deserved what he got. Yeah. At least that's, like, what I came away. I think it's a little more nuanced than Nucky's a terrible person. I think it's that you see in the flashbacks that Nucky sort of wants to do what's right. But he do- he doesn't. But he doesn't. Like, and, and he's clouded by this ambition, and he's just willing to do whatever it takes to get ahead. And even though he will do the right thing, like, helping Margaret out when she, when her husband was beating her and all that stuff, and going and fighting his dad. He he is so ambitious and willing to do whatever it takes that, you know, he does absolutely horrible things. Like, it ends with you seeing him to get the sheriff's job, giving Jillian to the Commodore, basically. Telling her that he will protect her, and then being horrible. And it really hammers home, like, how horribly he was to the whole Darmody family. <laughs> From Jillian to, to Jimmy. Jimmy, who he kills. Which, by the way, it was great, kind of seeing Ducky die in exactly the same way Jimmy, Jimmy yeah. died. And so I thought that was interesting. You see him go to talk to Jillian, and Jillian, I thought, seemed very, like, zonked and just not... But I'm sort of wondering if she was just, like, done with Nucky. Like, she just couldn't even believe what this man was coming to say to him. Basically, like, here's money, and, uh, yeah. you know, get out of here if you can. I can't help you. After all the shit that he'd put her through. Uh-huh. I do agree that it was, like, almost too wrapped up in a neat little bow, but I thought it brought everything together very well and, like, had me rethinking the series a little bit because I was, like, rooting for him most of the show. And then at the end, they're like, you were rooting for this terrible person the whole time, and he got what was coming to him at the hand of Tommy, who, if anybody deserved to kill Naki, it was a Darmody. Tommy looks good. He's lost a bunch of weight. He's kind of chubby (laughs) as a kid. So Uh, so when did you realize that that was Tommy? I didn't realize until he mentioned Meemaw, and then I was like, oh, I know who this is. It was, like, very late. I assume it was after the normal person realized it was Tommy. When they're at the coffee shop, and Nucky's, like, giving him a hundred bucks, and he's like, what happened to the other thousand dollars? I think that was, that was a thousand bucks that he gave him. I think it was a thousand dollar bill. 
I like slapped the desk and was like, that's Tommy. And that's like when I realized it. But I thought because he had given the money that Nucky also knew that it was Tommy. Um, and then at the end, Tommy's like, I'm Tommy Darmody, boom, and kills him. And then gets hauled away. It was very emotive. It's not like he was just a cold-blooded killer the way Nucky is. So any overall series thoughts? What happened to the the nice, whatever his name is, Darrow? Barrow? He's his, dead, man. His, but his lady friend obviously did not do a good job raising Tommy. That's true. He says he doesn't have any family. I know. Sad. What poor Tommy. There? He's still poor Tommy after all these years. Poor Tommy. And and so, like, another question I had, and I don't know if I'm, like, way off base here, is, like, do you think Jillian had anything to do with this? Mm. Even though she's obviously in an asylum. But I don't she obviously can reach out to so. people. I mean, because she reached out to Nucky and asked him to visit her. I would guess no, but... I don't know. I mean, you could make the argument that, yeah, like, she knew and, like, when he was basically like, no, I can't get you out of here, that was, like, I mean, I think you said she seemed zonked out, but I think it was, like, a bit over the top. Like, it was, you know, you're supposed to assume that a bit of it is an act, maybe. Uh, Interesting. Especially given her letter was, like, fairly coherent, I think, that she wrote him. Yeah, that's very true. It was, like, yeah, very coherent. So, I don't know. I, I appreciate that there is some room for interpretation on that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Any other threads that we need to wrap up from, from the series? I don't think so. I'll probably think of something as soon as we're done and think, hey, they never explained what happened to Write, write it down. We can do one more little little wrap-up next, <laughs> next time, too. I think. Uh, do you think this is a must-watch for Atlantic City fans? If you're a big TV fan and a big Atlantic City fan, I would say yes. I mean, for me, it was tough because I don't really watch tv in general but if you really like old time atlantic city i think it's good and like i said especially if you watch a lot of tv already so with those two caveats i'd say yes i've heard people who watch a lot of tv and i do watch a lot of tv but like whose opinions i generally align with about stuff say that the show is amazing like and they like rave about it and say it's really good so i sort of wonder if i ruined it for myself by making it homework for us um and feeling like you know i had to watch it when i watch it because it did sort of put this like pressure on it to watch it and in a lot of ways is like watch squeezing it in and not really being able to like settle in and enjoy it but i do think you know if you like atlantic city i think especially watch the first season or at least the first few episodes because there's a lot more atlantic city and then it gets away from it a little bit you know like there's a lot of chicago there's a lot of new york i am happy that it didn't just become a like oh everything was actually all about the history of the mob this whole time which it sort of was but it really that was such a short part of the finale. It was so yes. much more about, like, Nucky's family history, Nucky's history with the Darmides. It is good that it's a bit dramatized, because I think in real life, Nucky Johnson actually had a lot to do with, with I think, the meeting yeah. that Nucky puts together. I think Nucky is basically organizes it. It's in Atlantic City, and, and, like, Nucky plays a big role in all that. So the story as told in the show is maybe a bit more interesting. Yeah, and he went to prison. He didn't get, you know, killed on the boardwalk. But I did predict that he would get shot at the end of the day. You know, get killed you at the end of the you series. I, I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. But obviously, in retrospect, the way they were setting it up, like I said, just showing him as, like, the world's most awful person, I think. Yeah. It makes sense. That that's what happened in the end. Yeah, I mean, they did sort of, like, go toward, oh, he's going to win anyway with all this stock money, and then he didn't. And I think it would have been a little bit gross if he just sort of, like, won anyway and then retired to wherever he was going, right. looking for places at the El Dorado. Um, not to be confused with the new Caesars Entertainment. Indeed. But I thought it was good. I, I didn't have, like, great feelings about the show, but I think the finale was, like, wrapped it up well enough that it felt more, like, literary in a way and, like, made a lot of sense. Yeah. 
All right. Well, thank you very much for for listening. And, and thanks to those of you, I guess, who've been watching along with us. And I have to say, I'm a bit relieved that there's not going to be homework for a little while, but... 1980s Atlantic City with Burt Lancaster and Susan Sarandon. <laughs> we, we can watch that sometime, but not, <laughs> not for a little while. All right. Well, like I said, thank you guys for listening very much. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks, hopefully with our, our trip planning for one magical night of Maryland life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we could come back with a yeah, preview of a Maryland life trip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See ya. I want to know how London-themed the Claridge really was. Was it really London-themed? Or was it like, I, mean, I don't know, there's like a red phone booth somewhere in the corner. I don't know, I wasn't there.